0: Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. This week's episode is supported by MuckOff, who have just launched Punk Powder, their first ever plastic-free bike cleaner. There's a discount code for you coming right up. Punk powder cuts down on packaging by 92% compared to the regular cleaner. It comes in small sachets that you add to lukewarm water to make one litre of it, and the cleaner itself is readily biodegradable and made from plant-based ingredients. It also means that we're not shipping water unnecessarily around the planet. You can head over to muckoff.com and grab yourself a nice aluminium bottle for life, which is perfect to mix and store the cleaner in. That comes with some compostable punk powder sachets, which then come in a handy recycled cardboard sleeve that you can fold into a funnel to help you pour the powder into the bottle. The packaging is also printed with vegetable-based inks. I've tried it, it's super easy to mix, it's ready to go in seconds and it works just the same as the already awesome Muck Off Nanotech Bike Cleaner. It managed to clean some pretty stubborn sheep poo off my bike with ease and it left it looking great. If you wanna try punk powder, or get your hands on any of the rest of the Muck Off product range, then as a downtime listener, you can get 20% off during the month of September using the code DOWNTIME20 at the checkout over on muck-off.com. That's downtime, all uppercase, followed by the number 20 over on muckoff.com. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. Downtime EP issue one is going to print literally as we speak. I've seen the final proof and it looks incredible. There's going to be a global launch at the very end of September with copies shipping in early October. But if you can't wait for that, then there's going to be an early bird drop going out as soon as they arrive in the warehouse in a couple of weeks time. The first 100 copies will come with a lovely limited edition fine art print too and special early bird pricing. If you want to get one of these early bird copies, then head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP and leave us your name and email address and we're going to be in touch really soon to tell you what to do. Please make sure you're following the podcast on whatever platform you listen. There's going to be a button there that says follow or subscribe. So hit that now. It's free and it means you'll get every episode as soon as it's available. If you can't find the button, then you can head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe, where there's links to all the major platforms there to help you. I'd also love it if you can give me a follow on Instagram and Facebook where I'm at Downtime Podcast. It's the best place to keep up to date with what's going on. And it's always lovely to hear from you in the comments and the messages there. All right, folks, Lenza Hyder delivered an incredible race this weekend that had me on the edge of my seat. Elliot is off on a much-deserved holiday, so it's just me and Nico this time around. We'll get into the detail of the track and chat all about what went on over the week's racing. What are the keys to success here? Who went well? And what has that done to the overall as we head to the last two rounds in Snowshoe? All right, without further ado, here's Nico Mullally. Nico Malali, welcome back. How's things with you?
1: Things are good. I just got home from a big trip in Europe. So um, yeah, happy to be back for a couple of days, recharge a little bit, and then I'm gonna drive to the next World Cup, which is a pretty rare thing for Americans. But we got the double header at Snowshoe coming up next week. So I'm excited, looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, that's a bit of a treat. Is it is there an advantage, do you think, for the Europeans that can kind of get to most of the races relatively easily compared to you guys and kind of Australians and Kiwis that have got to fly halfway across the planet?
1: I would think so. I mean, I don't want to try to complain about it. It's cool to get to travel and get to go to so many cool places that you probably normally wouldn't um, if you weren't competing in the World Cup. But uh, if if all the races were within a six-hour radius of my house, I think it would be a little bit more convenient travel-wise. And you always know, hear the guys, the European guys talk about how bad the jet lag is at Mount St. Anne, the one race of the year that they have to fly overseas. And normally we have to do that every weekend. So yeah, it definitely adds, adds something to it. But, um, that's what I signed up for. The world cup's always been heavily European based and, that's where some of the best tracks are. So it's cool to be able to to travel and get to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Fair play. And how's the body feeling? I mean, you were still last time we spoke, still feeling a little bit sore from that that huge crash you had a couple of races back. Are you are you back to kind of hundred percent yet, or still working on it?
1: Um, it, it's definitely getting better. Um, I I definitely feel older. I'm 28. I feel like I'm 48 some days when I wake up. Uh, that crash in Maribor definitely didn't help me. Um. I just have like a pretty bad bruise in my lower back and it doesn't hurt that much anymore. But every time I move, I can kind of feel the muscle has a, like a hitch in it. And it's just sometimes that subconscious, like your body not reacting exactly the way you want it to. Um, it, you're competing against guys who are who are at the top. So it's it's tough to be able to not be anything but 100% and, and go to the start line and do well these days. Um, I think everybody's dealing with something small, but yeah, it's, uh, the body's getting better and hopefully this, this week off at home before going to the, the final will be a, a good recharge and get there and have a strong final
0: race. Yeah. I mean, there was quite a few people that were a bit beat up from Valder So it was a track that, uh, that took a few prisoners for sure. And super short gap between that week and then into Lenzerheide. What do you do as a rider to recover in, in such a short time? Like. What kind of things are people focusing on? Are there any gadgets or things that people use to help?
1: Yeah, this one was a was a super tight turnaround. I think just because at Worlds, the schedule, for some reason, the downhill's on Sunday and the cross country's on Saturday. But at a normal World Cup, the cross country's on Sunday and the downhill's on Saturday. So we kind of had that day um, less of of rest in between starting the world cup in and Lenzer and, and that kind of makes a big difference. Sometimes just have one more day to kind of chill out and recover and you get, get recharged for the next weekend. Um, but yeah, some of the things like normally we're, we're in the mountains where there's, um, there's a cold river to jump in. And, and that's something that's pretty popular with the riders is to hit an ice bath. Um, that's something that I've been doing. I think Jack Moyer was the one who kind of got me into it. He does it a ton. And when we were teammates, we'd always do hot colds where we'd go in the, in the cold river or, or cold bath and then, um, jump out for a couple minutes, get your blood flowing and go back in. And I guess the idea is that it, uh, w- when you go in the cold water, all your blood comes back to your core. So it forces the circulation. And then when you get out and get warm again, your butt- blood flows back to your extremities. So it just increases a bit of blood circulation and maybe makes you, um, recover a little quicker. I I normally sleep pretty good after doing it. So if nothing else, like it definitely helps a little with that. It's hard to say like a quantifiable amount that it helps, but Um, I guess we're all doing everything we can just a little bit to, to feel better for the next week. And then obviously like just getting a good night's sleep, like it helps so much to have, um, a a good comfortable bed, which, um, as an American, sometimes we complain about in Europe, the beds are pretty small and, and hard and not the most comfortable to sleep on. But, um, yeah, it's the way, it's just the way that it is. And if you can find a good comfortable place to get a good night's sleep, that that's normally the best thing that you can do is just sleep a lot and and sleep well. Um, and then obviously we're all trying to eat well and stay hydrated, which sometimes traveling, you can't quite eat as well as, as you'd want to at home, just cooking your own food and having access to the normal things that you would go buy. Um, sometimes we go and we're spoiled to stay in some really nice hotels, but the food is kind of, um, fa- more fancy than it is, uh, just what you'd want as a, an athlete. Like normally I just want a, a protein and a grain and some vegetables and keep it simple, but just have like some good clean food. And a lot of times they're, they're bringing you these like fancy dining portions, which, um, yeah, I can't complain about that. It's super cool, but at a race, um, just staying at hotels and, and having to eat at restaurants, it can be a little bit of a challenge for, for us, but yeah, we just try to stay as uh recovered as we can between the races.
0: Yeah. What about, I've seen a, a few pictures of people, maybe it's more in kind of cross country and enduro circles, but with those like, know if it's like a compression thing or what like these bags that go around your legs and you see people sat with those connected to some kind of machine do you know anything about those
1: yeah yeah and i've used those at home before um they they definitely are nice they're uh i think normatech is the main company that makes them their compression boots and basically what they do is just they fill with air and compress from the top of your leg down in like a sequence so that it it pushes the maybe the bottom up. I'm not sure which one it is, but it like kind of pushes and flushes the, the, the legs out. And, um, almost like you're getting a massage, but from these boots and, um, they, they, they're nice. They make your legs feel pretty good afterwards. Um, I don't have a set in Europe. Um, I I don't have a set at all. Actually, the, the place that I used to train at had one here and, um, and I would use it when I could, but yeah, I mean, it's tough to like say that stuff is like oh that's going to make you recover five percent more it's there's no way to quantify it but sometimes when you do every little trick in the book you feel like man i've crossed every everything off and now i'm as recovered as i can be so it's it's sometimes gives you a mental advantage to know that you've you've done every little thing
0: yeah for sure even the psychological gains can be worth having let's let's talk a bit about this track because um it's it's pretty unique i think in its style and not not always the most popular with the riders but it it does seem to produce some pretty amazing racing talk us through it from from your perspective
1: yeah um i've heard a few riders say that it was like they didn't do much to prepare the track it it was almost identical to 2019 when we raced the world cup there and there was a, a lot of spots where like it had just rained and and washed a lot of the dirt away and they didn't really do much to try to prep the course, um, aside from like just getting loose rocks and like sweeping it. Um, but in saying that the surface was like super consistent and it was just a downhill, just a straightforward downhill track that didn't really have any weird features or, um, super separating sections. Like, um, like maybe like Leo gang or Leger this year had like some of those really gnarly, wood sections that were just steep and brutal and almost, almost like hard to just even get through without a mistake. Whereas this course didn't really have anything like that. It was, the surface was pretty good. It was flowing fast, um, pretty consistent, not a whole lot of line choice, maybe like one or two things here and there, but like I said, just like a, a straightforward downhill track. Um, and it made those sections that there was a line choice even more crucial when, most guys are doing the same thing for 90% of the track. Those couple of key spots where you can do something to separate yourself became even more of a important place to, to maximize the, the time there. Um, but I liked it. I think it was, it rode well. It was fun to ride. Um, they did a good, this one always has like tons of loose little gravelly rocks, especially in that top section that's underneath the chairlift there. And they did a really good job of getting them off. And they had a good trail crew that was cleaning the course after each day of practice. Sometimes when, um, when, when, when the main line burns in and, and all the little rocks and gravel come out of it and get like debris on both sides of the trail, even there may be a better line than get to get off the main line, but you can't because the surface is just littered with little rocks. So It was cool that they were um, just getting that crap off the track after each day. And I think the first day they actually had like the Swiss army was there. It's pretty cool. They always have like the army guys volunteering in Switzerland at a lot of the events. And they they do like course marshalling and just help out. And they had like 50 army men raking all the gravel off the track on the first day, which I was like, man, that would would be awesome to have that at at home. Imagine what you could do with the harness the energy of 50 army guys to to prep your tracks um but yeah it was cool that they were they were going out some tracks don't they just they leave like loose rocks and stuff and it's 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 one way to do it like it's the the tracks the track we're not going to touch it during the race but i think it's nice when they go through and they do get some of that junk that comes out of the course off so they you don't have any loose rocks and stuff in the way
0: yeah cool so what what kind of what were the main sections that you think provided an opportunity to separate riders. There's there's definitely one that we see on the live feed, which was that kind of steep section uh through the woods where I think there was like an inside, there was definitely a wide cut back. And then Reese Wilson, I think, had a line that sort of went wide but cut back into the tight line like halfway. What what were the key sections from your perspective?
1: Yeah, that that was definitely the main one where there was guys doing different options. Um there was one further towards the top of the track that had uh, like a, a big stump. I and mean, It seems like the latest, like the New Age World Cup feature is a tree stump two feet off the ground with a ski pole sticking out of it that you have to <laughs> bunny hop over um, or go around awkwardly. Um, it seems like we've had that on every track this year. But there was a section there where um, you could either go over the stump, which was kind of a speed check because it was pretty tall or around it, which was um, kind of an awkward flat turn to get around it. So that was a spot where guys were doing different stuff. And then, as you said, down at the um, the steep section, it seemed like there was three distinct lines there. And in practice, like good guys were doing all of them pretty equally fast. I did the rider's right line which was like the inside just kind of short and um pretty straightforward to do it seemed like you don't have to cross any routes there was talk about it being rainy on race day or through the weekend so that one seemed like there was the least routes to cross in the off camber braking zone so kind of went with that one and stuck with it and it probably was the most popular. Um but then like you said, Reese went kind of outside and then to the middle and then a lot of guys were going full outside, which they had to cross a lot of routes to get there. But once they were there, it lined them up for a really good exit. Um pretty straight out of the woods. And then I guess the the last section that was that was pretty crucial and, and there wasn't maybe as many lines, but just like the way that guys were riding it was um the last like rock wall section. and and coming in there off of the bike park trail it was like that inside um that this year everybody was riding the inside and then through that kind of off camber rooty stump section and then over the wall and it seems like if guys were able to carry a lot of speed over that wall it was kind of an awkward section where you g out at the bottom of a a little gully and then you'd had to go up over a root and a rock and they were they were pretty high g-force cuz like your bike was like loaded and you were going pretty fast into it and then you kind of went uphill over this pretty steep rock and they some guys were even go it was like not even a, enough room for both your pedals to fit between but guys were kind of sneaking around the outside of the rock which see i I'd tried it once and i felt like um it was kind of risky so I, I i went over it and it seems like most guys were going over the rock but uh yeah it was just tough because it was like pretty rough in there and a lot of compressions in a row and and the riders who were able to really keep stay off the brakes and just keep the bike moving forward and not hit the compressions as hard were were able to carry some speed. So yeah, like I said, it being an easier track it just made those sections even more important.
0: What about bike setup on a track like this then? I've heard people talk a lot about front wheel grip being important especially on maybe some of those open turns. Of the more bike parky stuff, where the surface is a little bit loose, but some steep stuff as well, some G outs, plenty of roots. How are you? How are you looking again? Set up for it?
1: Yeah, that definitely was something that I think a lot of riders were talking about. Especially um, this year, the race seemed like it was a little bit later on the calendar, and it was it was kind of cold, especially overnight, and that side of the mountain didn't get a lot of sunlight in the morning so when we had practice earlier in the day you you could tell that like some of the sections in the trees um where where they were under breaking zones were were pretty slick slick feeling um and especially on the front end like the course is fast and and fairly committed and um, when you don't feel like you have front end grip it kind of it just those sections feel pretty uncomfortable to to push in Um, so for me, I I went a little bit lower in tire pressure. I didn't make a ton of changes to the bike setup. Otherwise I felt like the track was generally fast and you needed the support of the bike. So I didn't want to change too much and I was pretty happy with my setup. Um, but I felt like I am I'm running the inserts front and rear and I could go a little bit just lower in pressure. Maybe it gave me a little bit of grip. Um, and, and then through the weekend, as it kind of dried up a bit, I, I went up, again to more normal range but definitely starting out on the first day it was the track was new so it was breaking in moisture was coming out and and it like i said being cold and kind of in the shade made those breaking zones feel even slicker on the on the hard pack
0: are you taking sort of similar amount of pressure out of front and rear tire or are you biasing towards one over the other
1: me personally i i normally run a bigger spread than other riders like a lot of my my go-to pressure would be like 25 29 so a 4 psi difference um and i and i tend to when i want to get a little more grip go lower more in the front like i think i started with 23 28 um because the rear i would run lower but i'm afraid of like damaging a rim because the tire isn't um is too soft and there's a bunch of rocks on this track as well so you got to be careful of that a lot of times I would run lower pressure than I choose to. I just need to keep the bike together. And if you run it super low, you crack your rim, or if you're running aluminum rims, dent your rim. Um, sometimes you have to be mindful of that. But, um, I, I found that like, if I think about my weight bias on the tires, it's normally more on the rear. And so, um, I, I, run firmer in the rear and like i can afford to go less in the front without it squirming like especially in the situation that i described where it's kind of slippery under braking i'm not going to like roll the front tire it's going to slide before the tire squirms or rolls so i can afford to drop the pressure a little bit and, and hopefully get a little bit more grip and for me front end grip is confidence like if you're sure of your front end gripping then you can go faster and faster and that's like the one thing that I think most people can relate to is if they don't feel like they have a front end grip then it's tough to push, push on and push harder than that.
0: Yeah, definitely. We've seen punctures have an impact on the race in there in the past. I mean, Aaron Gwynn, I think was on a heater when he had a, a sidewall uh, split open by a rock a few years ago it didn't seem i certainly in the live feed anyway didn't really see much on the on the puncture side of things did you see much over the week or like do you think there was a difference to the track or is tire technology improving um we
1: definitely saw some during the week uh i had two flat tires in practice which is much i mean normally i don't have any or one maybe but uh there's also a couple of rocks that were kind of sharp in the braking zone. So I think both of mine were from like cutting the tire rather than cracking a rim. Um, but you definitely see some in practice. I think guys just had figured out the, like, which, which things to be mindful of and and avoid for the, for by the time the race come, come around and, um, and maybe got their setup to where they wanted it as well. But, uh, no, it definitely was some flats to the weekend, but, yeah race run everybody got through safe
0: yeah happy days and how was uh how was the race run for you from your perspective
1: um it was it was pretty tough honestly like it, it rained a, not a lot but it rained enough at the beginning of the race that it, it was kind of slick on some of those hard pack sections and um yeah, just dropping in out of the start gate. I had to put tear offs on for the first time I, of, of the weekend. I pulled one of them um, in the flat section, and I just dropped in and hit the first couple turns. Like after you cross the road and push the front end pretty hard, and it was tough to um, to just have the confidence to keep pushing on from there. So um, obviously, some guys did it. I shouldn't make an excuse. Like Brooke went four guys after me. And, uh, got a top 20 and rode amazing. So, um, if you were in the mindset to just, to just keep on pushing through the, some of the slick sections, it was definitely possible guys were doing it. Um, but yeah, I was, I was struggling a little bit still with like the same stuff I was dealing with in Sol after that crash in Maribor, just feeling tight and riding tight on the bike and this track being easier and shorter. Um, and the world champs, there wasn't quite as many guys like guys like Cade, for example, is a top 20 rider that GB has so many top guys that he didn't get selected for the world's team. And there's a few guys in his situation, French team as well, that, um, a world cup is a little bit more competitive, I think from a qualifying standpoint than world champs. So I knew like getting through the final and in Lenzerheide would be tough just because it's an easier track and and the amount of guys that are there going fast and, um, top 60 split is, is going to be, a I I think it was only 10 seconds this weekend. So it's, it's tough to be on there. And I, I was happy. I was honestly relieved to make it through cause I knew I just wasn't riding really great. And I was, um, I was pretty nervous for the, for the qualifying cause I, I, um, I, I really felt like I needed to do a good job and like I was obviously riding to be in the final and everything for my team. So, um, I was glad to make it through there, but definitely rode tight, tighter than I wanted to. And then the, the rain coming down in the final just made it a little bit even tougher. Um, and I, and talking to guys as well, like it was slippier than they thought at, even at the end of the race, the, the weather came around, I think it stopped with like maybe 30 or 40 guys to go. But uh, but the guys, even that went towards the end, were surprised. They were like, oh, it rained a little and it'll maybe out in the open um, be a little slick where the rain touched, but it'll be fine in the woods. But guys were saying it was a little bit slicker than they thought. So maybe played a little bit into it if the guys, especially the ones that went sooner than at the very end.
0: Yeah. Interesting stuff. Do you feel a bit more pressure on your shoulders from the team perspective without Aaron there then? Because. I guess it's, it's down to you and, and Seth to represent.
1: Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that I feel like they're putting pressure on me, but for myself, like it's natural to feel like, um, at worlds I was the only guy and, uh, and this weekend it was just me and Seth and I'm, and I'm kind of like the leader of the team with Aaron out, of course, like I want to do well and I want to represent I've, they hired me to, to race for them and to do a good job and, and everybody wants to do a good job. So yeah, I I definitely, I'm challenged with a few things right now, but um, I want to do a good job and I I definitely feel the pressure on my end to just try to do the best I can at these races and and just represent these guys who have given me the shots race for their team.
0: Yeah. And I guess there's going to be a few people feeling the pressure around this point in the season, because if your contract's up, end of the year, which for a lot of people, it will be, I guess, then, you know, you're looking for results. You want to make sure that that CV is as good as it can be, because now's the sort of time that I guess a lot of riders will be talking to brands about, about either renewing contracts or, or finding new teams for, for 2022. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's much easier to make those, those contacts at the race than to try to have to deal with it after the season's over. And a lot of brands are kind of planning their budgets, um, in July, August, and then making decisions on stuff around September, October. So you definitely need to at least be in touch and, and, and in line to get those deals lined up for next year. And, um, it's a lot easier when you, when you're getting good results at the time that you're talking to the sponsors for sure. So yeah, these last races are important. It's important to end on a good note. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of guys are, maybe not a lot of guys are up at the top, but, um, there's definitely talk every year this time of guys moving around and guys talking to teams.
0: Interesting stuff. Right. Let's talk a bit about the racing and, uh, we'll get, we'll get into the women's side of things first. Really good to see Valley put one together, solid run. I don't know if she would consider it safe or whether she rode at a pace that, you know, where she felt like it was risky or pushing or what, but whatever happened, she got to the bottom of the hill, she stood on the podium, she had a big smile on her face. It was nice to see. It must feel good for her, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when when people on the outside are, are expecting or seeing a trend of crashing, like as a rider, you're certainly feeling that yourself. So I think it was probably a relief for her to get down and do just a good solid run and something to build off of. And um, she can feel good that she was in the mix and able to put in a solid weekend and hopefully keep that momentum going.
0: Yeah. And Tani finally seemed to be back with the kind of level of aggression in her riding that we expect to see, or we've got used to seeing it. looked it looked like the Tani of old and that, that showed in the results, right? Uh, Yeah. Second place, big smile on her face.
1: She looked great on the bike. Um, her, her and Miriam seemed like they were kind of in a league of their own in some of the technical stuff, they were attacking the course. Uh, it seemed like, um, more than the other riders and just carrying really good speed and Tani's got so much technical skill. She's, there's a, f- a fair few jumps on this course and she's really good on the jumps. So, um, yeah, it was awesome to see her like put together a real solid result and be in touch to win. And uh, I'm sure she felt good about that as well
0: yeah and and miriam like you said i mean that was an incredible run and and she definitely looked like she had that one fully under control the whole way she said afterwards in an interview i listened to that she felt fatigued and quite tired throughout the week and she was feeling that on track but it didn't show in her riding at all did it that was an incredible run
1: yeah it was she um she really attacked the course and especially through some of those sections that i described that there was a separation i saw her um I saw her race run from that bottom wall section and she carried so much speed through there, which was awesome to see. Um, so yeah, I'm, she's on a roll winning the worlds and, um, and wearing the rainbow Jersey to, to go one, one this weekend was, was pretty cool. I'm sure she feels really good about that.
0: Yeah. And impressive to back it up as well. Cause the amount of, of media attention that she will have had this week, I'm sure is enough to tire anyone out, but, uh, yeah, backing it up on form. Interesting to see how she finishes the season. A rider in fourth place that I'm—I'm I'm pretty sure I remember him back to, to the last time we, we we spoke. Elliot was kind of almost writing her off from a from a strong performance perspective because of the injury she's coming back from. But Nina Hoffman fourth place, and again that looked like the Nina that we expect to see. It didn't look like someone coming back from injury.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think um I think some riders maybe that have been struggling with stuff found this track. A little bit less physical. I mean, compared to Valdissol, it's it's much easier on the body to ride. It's kind of short. There's a lot of sections where you don't need to be sustained on the brakes or sprinting. There's a lot of spots where you can almost catch a a breath in between um, some sections. So I think maybe for her, also Tani, like with her neck thing that she was been dealing with, they were able to just ride the way that they could without um, getting super fatigued and and those injuries kind of coming out, so maybe that was a helpful thing for Nina as well,
0: and that that
1: allowed her to get a good result again this weekend and ride the way she wanted to.
0: Yeah, cool. And then Camille Balanche, not quite the result that we've seen from her a lot of this season, but fifth place, and she had a huge mistake on the fastest turn in the track. I mean, first off, what's that turn like to ride at that sort of speed, and then what would it feel like when it's uh, when you're getting sent out the top of the berm?
1: Yeah, that that's actually really fun to ride that section because you're coming in off the brakes and it's like just a wide open, drifty turn to an uphill jump. So you can hit it without braking and carry as much speed as you can to, to clear the jump afterwards. A lot of sections these days in the World Cups, it's like fast into a steep section where you need to brake. So you kind of feel like the the braking zone is so crucial. Where when you have a spot where you can just let the bike go wide open and then um, and not have to worry about a a breaking zone it's it's super fun but for her to to kind of come into that turn and it had like a weird kicker into the left and if you it seemed like she hit it wrong which kind of made her get stood up in the turn but in a place like that where you where the speed is so important to carry out up a hill man it must feel like you're just going so slow (laughs) up the hill afterwards like the bike's just in glue if you mess that turn up and um it's tough in a race once you do something like that to just not rush and feel like you're behind afterwards but she did a good job nonetheless to um still get on the podium and put in a good ride even though she had that big mistake
0: yeah definitely and another couple of riders that we should mention i mean millie johnson we've talked about a little bit seems to be really finding finding consistent form this year seventh place again and uh gonna be interesting to see how she progresses through the rest of the season and then with another off season of training it's she's looking like a dangerous rider.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and sometimes when you just you're there every time and like that seventh, sixth, seventh place spot and, um, and that starts to become a consistent thing, then it's easy to make that, that small incremental jump up and, and be able to get up to the podium. So hopefully she can make that step. She's been looking
0: really good. Definitely. And then a U.S. rider in ninth place, Anna Newkirk, I think It's her first year in elite after junior career. Do you know much about Anna through the U S side of things?
1: So I don't know her super well. I know that she, um, she is American and and has an American passport, but she lives in Switzerland. So it was maybe, I don't know where in Switzerland, but it was, um, nonetheless, a home race for her. So, um, I'm sure it was cool. She probably had a lot of friends and family there watching. Um, and yeah, I think I'm pretty sure she was junior last year. So to step up to a lead and get a top ten has got to be a good feeling. And um, yeah, hopefully she can keep that up and 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 keep progressing in the up the ranks next year.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's some some new younger riders coming through. It's exciting. Watch and see how they get on. But yeah, definitely feels like Miriam and Tani are, are back in charge of that of that fast group of women. But let's see how the confidence building with uh, with Valley getting a race run under a belt see what impact that has should be interesting for the last two races let's let's talk about the men's before we get stuck into the racing a couple of people that went down pretty hard over the weekend and uh our best wishes go out to them so brendan fairclough was was airlifted off in practice i think which with a suspected broken femur but turned out to to be uh luckily i guess um just a pretty nasty gash in his uh his thigh which it's like he's had to have a drain kind of put in there and all sorts of horrible stuff. I don't know if you've seen Brendan around or if you've got any update on that.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't see him once he got, I think he was spent the night in hospital, um, but he was riding with Luca and I think they they practiced together a lot and it was kind of weird the section he crashed where it's, it's not really a section you would expect to have a, a big injury. It's kind of a flat, easier spot. And I saw from the picture that there was like this little rock coming into a flat turn that everyone was trying to pre hop or jump over. And I don't know if he pushed his front end before it, or it's sometimes it's like kind of dark coming in there. It's hard to see and line it up, but he actually crashed like right onto the rock. He's got a picture on his Instagram of the crash and for sure, not a place that you want to, you want to land. Um, we talked about some rocks here being sharp and cutting tires, Obviously if you land straight on one of them on your on your thigh, it's easy to, to get a big cut. So um yeah, we I, at first Luca said like Brendan just cut his leg, but then they they cut the practice short. Um they had to helicopter him out and nobody likes to see that from one of the guys that they're racing against. I mean, we're all out here trying to push and race as fast as we can, and when you see a fellow rider have to get taken off in the helicopter, it definitely leaves a, a little bit of a bad feeling in your mouth. But um, yeah, Lucas said that he cut his leg and I was like, well, man, they didn't need to take him in a helicopter for a cut leg. And then guys were saying suspected broken femur, but um, happy to know that it was not of anything broken, just a big cut. Um, I think it's a pretty bad cut, but uh, considering the situation um, definitely happy for Brendan that it's not worse. And I saw you wrote in his Instagram that he was focused on getting ready for rampage now. And I know that's a really important event for him. Um, he's been, I think last year he got fourth, so he did awesome out there and that's kind of right up his alley where he can kind of mix the free ride and race, um, and, and have his own style and do well at that event. So it's, uh, hopefully he can get this thing healed up and, and get his practices, backflips, and all this gnarly stuff he needs to do to get ready for rampage in time. Um but yeah just happy that it's not worse.
0: Yeah, definitely heal up quick Brendan. And then another rider who uh had a horrible looking crash on the live feed you've already mentioned actually is Luca, uh good a good buddy of yours. Have you spoken to him since that crash? I mean he got up and, and came down the hill, but looked pretty nasty.
1: Yeah, it it was good that he it looked like he landed on a rock on his back um but he got out of it fine. And, and, um, yeah, I went and saw him after the race and he thought he was fine. He had like a sore wrist, had it checked out and, um, they didn't, I guess whoever checked it, didn't think that it was broken based on the assessment, but he said he was going to try to, I think he flies home today or tomorrow and, uh, he's going to go to the, go to the hospital and get it checked, um, properly. He said when he gets home, but, um, yeah, hopefully it's something that even if, even if it's no, no serious injury, it d- doesn't linger on to snowshoe because for, for a lot of us U.S. riders, that is a home race. Where mo- most of us are based in the southeast, so um, being able to do that close to home is always cool. So many local friends and family and fans out there. Um, it's really positive for us U.S. riders, so hopefully Luke is all good to go and um, can compete in that one.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed. And a rider who looked like he was having perhaps the most fun on the hill after an early crash was Cade Edwards definitely wins the award for, uh, for most stylish run down for the race. I think he looked like he was having a right good time.
1: Yeah. I think he was the only one to hit that booter on the motorway section. That was pretty funny. They had like a race lip and a free ride lip and the free ride lip was super steep. Um, but he, even in practice, he hit it a couple times and I think he trained it with, chaos and they looked so sick on that jump so it's cool to have that stuff in world cups when um guys can just have a little style and a little bit of fun and do something cool
0: yeah definitely definitely right we'll get into the thick of it troy brosnan not his weekend was it i think issues in qualifying and a, a bit of a strange crash in the race which is, is taken him out of contention not just for that victory which i think he felt he was on for but also for the overall i think
1: yeah, uh, but I mean, he can't be... Uh, obviously, he's disappointed, but he did everything he could to, to try to compete for the win and, and um, step up this weekend. And qualifying was first at the first two splits. And then, I'm not sure, was it a flat tire that took him out of that? Uh,
0: in qualifying, I believe it was, yeah. Yeah. So,
1: um, yeah, obviously fastest there and, and was showing the pace and, and going for it. Um, and then a flat, yeah, bummer. And then started early. And I think, as I said, it kind of like rained the first half of the race just a little bit, but when guys are pushing this hard, like just a little bit of extra moisture on the track can be, um, enough at the edge there on to, uh, to just make it challenging. So him coming down in the beginning, after that bad qualifying run with the flat, he probably didn't have the luckiest of start positions considering the weather. and. Um, yeah, the top section of the track was pretty slick, and it looked like his first split was eight seconds off, so it must have crashed up there somewhere. Um, but yeah, bummer. Nothing he could really, knowing then, do differently. He just went for it and then didn't go his way. So on to the next one. Hopefully he can uh, get another win before the end of the season. He's got two good shots here at Snowshoe.
0: Yeah, I think he said his front wheel pushed. There's a, I, I, We don't see it on the live feed, I think, but the first road crossing near the top of the track come he got a bit out of shape coming into that and had to sort of turn across the road crossing more and as a result his front wheel just washed and and that put him down so maybe maybe being a bit offline but maybe yeah moisture and things like that not really helping things let's talk a little bit about the um the the very bottom of the track because it seemed to be separating a few riders there was there were times where it looked like a rider was going to take the win. They'd maybe be green up to that point, but then they'd lose quite a chunk in the last section of the track, which is relatively short. Um, saw a few riders kind of getting loose in that chicane before the last drop, which I think they tightened up uh, to just bring the speed down off the last drop at, at some point during the week. What is it about that last sector that's making it so hard? Is it is it something that requires a lot of precision to get through it quick?
1: I really think that it was down to that last chicane before the bridge. It was super awkward. Um, they did, like you say, tighten it up. I think the first day of practice, it was pretty open and guys were going really deep off of that Red Bull drop. I think one, I think uh, Gaetan Ruffin had a big crash on it. Um, it. It was just the speed wasn't really... And it's always those weird man-made features that are tough to judge how fast is natural and they're blind and they're they're pretty high consequence. Like you're dropping 20 feet out of the air. It's pretty easy and straightforward to do, but when you're racing and you're on the end of a run and tired, and, um, it's sometimes tough to like get that just right. So it's never the, the like natural root and rock sections that are dangerous. It's always these like weird man made things, but, um, they tightened it up the chicane to just slow it down so that guys were having to Slow down and pedal off it and and not go super deep and not get blown by the wind going too big off the drop, which made that chicane then really crucial because you kind of had to shut down the speed. And if you could carry a good speed around it and get on the pedals quick, it made a big difference. And I think you saw like Reese, um, Bernard Kerr, like slid through it. And, um, somebody else like right around when Reese went also like was up, 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 and then lost it right there in that chicane. So, um, it ended up being super important and something that you kind of forget sometimes like in practice, like you practice all the gnarly spots and then you kind of cruise through the finish line and, and, um, and then race run, like maybe you're going a little bit quicker and that chicane comes up on you. So yeah, I think that's what it was. It's just that one (laughs) little S turn before the, the last drop.
0: Is there any support there? Is it rutting up at all or is it pretty much flat?
1: No, it's completely flat. And if you got a little bit outside of the line, it was all the like little gravelly stuff had pushed out there. So I think you saw a couple guys get like late and then had to run a little bit wide after the pole to get around it. And the bike just slide out and you just lose that little bit of drive there. It makes a big difference.
0: Yeah. Okay. Danny Hart, sixth place this week um seems to be really settled into that new team, which is pretty impressive to get up to the pace he's at on a on a brand new bike, brand new team first year. Not quite stepping onto the podium in that sixth place, but he's gone uh pretty well at snowshoe from what I remember. So he's gotta be got to be kinda, I guess, ready to go and quite hungry for a for at least a podium, if not a win. Oh yeah. I'm sure he's
1: pretty frustrated to have missed the podium by such a narrow margin in the past couple weeks in a row. Um, he's been riding great. He qualified third, so he was looking good on this track. He's won on it before. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, I think he's riding as good as he has in the past, there's just like these, there's so much depth and so many fast guys and such little margins separating them these days. I know we say that every time on the podcast or just in general, but I think that's, uh, that's gotta be frustrating for Danny to have like these sixth place, seventh place or at worlds, like he was fifth, but it's only a top three podium. Um, and he's right there so close and riding well. Um, he can't really be bummed with his effort or riding, but just missing out by the smallest margin. So yeah, he won last time we raced at Snowshoe. Hopefully he can get back up there again.
0: Yeah, he'll be fired up. And Laurie Green looks to be in a really good position. Like the form's definitely there. Really consistent riding. He pulled back, he was a, a couple of seconds back at the second split, I think, and managed to to pull back a good chunk, best part of a second in the lower two splits on the track. Um again just nice to see him riding in that he looks just really composed on the bike, but it's so fast at the moment,
1: yeah, absolutely he's he's riding well and he's just such a little guy that I think it, it's helpful like him and Loris are pretty light on their feet and on a lot of these tracks that that are rough or have big compressions they can hit them with a lot less force and I think that's that's definitely an advantage of the modern downhill track. Maybe 10 years ago, tracks like that were flatter required a lot more carrying speed. A guy that's bigger with more power would have an advantage, but it seems like Laurie being able to fit through the trees and through the turns a little quicker and and not having as much, um, force going through the bike and those compressions is, is a helpful thing. So, um, he's riding awesome and it's good to see him getting on the podium and consistently being up there.
0: Yeah, and the only non-French rider on the podium this week. It was it was funny watching him uh, listening to all those boys singing the national anthem at the end of the day. But yeah, incredible show from French downhill. We'll start off with one of the one of the most impressive rides. Amory Pieron in fourth place, 0.628 off the win. This guy had a pretty horrific injury, damage to internal organs. I think eight weeks away from downhill and six weeks where he wasn't really able to do too much exercise even. It's incredible, isn't it, to come back with a result like that?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, and he looked good all weekend too. He looked like he was really back to himself. I think in Val de Sol, that track was that was always going to be a tough one to come back to after only riding a couple of days. But uh, probably good for him to get on the bike and, and um, just get straight back into it at least helping him to get ready for this race this weekend. Um, But yeah, he looked good. He won last time we were here by a lot. So I think he was feeling good for it. And I think the track suits him well. It's like, it's one that guys who who really can push in and, and carry the speed and ride aggressively seem to, to do well at the track supports a aggressive style. Don't have to be you don't have to be too careful or, or tiptoe through sections. You can really let it rip. And, and Amari rides like that and super aggressive all the time. So I think he wanted a little bit more. He was so close. I mean, like you said, less than a second off, but, uh, in fourth place, like I think he, he really wanted to race to win and, um, yeah, I think he should be proud though, coming back from what he did and hopefully build that to the last two races here.
0: Yeah. Another aggressive French rider, Thibaut Prella. Slotted it into third point three seven off the win. I mean, he's doing everything he needs to do to take the overall, isn't he? Really, at the end of the day, that looked like a pretty, pretty solid run from him. Nothing too crazy, but but got the job done. And yeah, takes good points away when Troy and Greg, who were in kind of second and third, have have lost quite a good chunk.
1: Yeah, and and that's kind of what I was. Worried would be the crux for Tebow would be something happening like what happened to Troy this weekend um so it's super impressive for for him is only a second year elite to be the guy with in the driver's seat and just rides so consistently he's been on the podium at every race, scores points in qualifying he's doing everything perfectly to win this overall and yeah he's coming in with a really healthy lead to the last two races so man, super impressive to see him just have that composure. And he, he rides like Amari, he rides super aggressive and to, to ride like that every weekend and, and be as consistent as he is, is incredibly impressive. So hats off. And it looks like, um, yeah, he just needs to get through these last two races and he should have the overall wrapped up.
0: Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how he approaches it. Cause he's, he I guess he's, he's talked about, you know, He goes all in and that's going to be his continued approach, but it's going to have to start weighing on his mind at some point. But again, if he doesn't take the overall this year, it looks like he could, you know, he's got plenty of years ahead of him, I suppose. So almost nothing to lose.
1: Yeah. But like you said, it's so tough as a racer. Like every possible situation comes in your mind and in downhill, it's, there's so many variables. So it's, um, it's going to be hard for sure to get through these races and, and be in the right mindset, but he's done it perfectly. And like, I think what happened this weekend took a huge amount of pressure off. Just the guys he was in main competition with had pretty bad weekends and, and he did everything perfectly. So, um, that should make it a little bit easier going into snowshoe, but, uh, but still it's going to be, it's going to be tough. I think he, I think he's got it. I think, I think he can do it. Um, it's be exciting to watch.
0: Yeah. All right, on to second place. And this is my man of the match, I think, Loic Bruni. Two huge crashes uh, in Valdezol. Pretty battered and bruised to the point where I think he needed to go to hospital on the Tuesday of, of this week to get blood drained from his leg, which I don't think they were able to do in the end. So left with very limited mobility and, and not feeling particularly great. Second place, given all of that, is incredible, eh? <laughs>
1: Absolutely. I, I don't think Loic even did track walk, um, cause his, his legs weren't feeling up to it. So he, uh, he had his, his coach walk the track on FaceTime and show him the different changes. Luckily there weren't too many to know about, but, um, amazing. You can't even walk the track and then you're going to get on the podium in second point 0. zero or whatever he was off the win. Um, Yeah. Awesome ride from Loic. He just looked good. He looked like himself out there, like 2019 winning form. Um, And yeah, that's got to give him a lot of confidence to feel like he was out there on for the win and um, back at it. So I I know it's probably frustrating for him to not have gotten the win. He's a guy who races to win every time he trains. Everything he does, he puts in to get first place. And of course he's happy with um, whatever the result is on the day, if it was his best, but you know, it's bitter to get that close and, and come up short. So, uh, hopefully, I mean, I've been saying it about all the guys, but, um, they've all got to be looking at this last two races as like a huge opportunity to finish the season strong and, um, to, to be able to go and do two races in one week is, it's kind of nice to have that many shots at it and, um, not just come down to one run. So they've got a few chances to prove themselves at snowshoe, which will be cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, fair play. And then taking the win, Loris Vergier, I think he's been everyone's man to beat for the vast majority of the season, really. It hasn't always gone his way, but he's definitely had some incredible performances. This was another one. He himself said it wasn't a perfect run. It wasn't even a, a particularly great run, um, but he's got the job done. I mean, yeah, first off, what do you think to Lawrence's performance? And then I guess, secondly, is hired a track that's kind of hard to have a great run on? I know. He was someone that was quite vocal about not massively enjoying it.
1: I think Lenser High is a track that it's hard to maybe find that extra second. And you saw how close the podium was spread. Um, so if it sometimes can be easy to like ride within your pace, but to find that extra gear to get ahead of everyone can be, can be a difficult thing to do just with not that many chances to separate. Yeah. Um, he started off the run a little bit rough. Like I saw he like kind of got bucked on that first little rock garden thing, which is a fairly easy feature, but sometimes that can like shake you a little bit. And obviously it didn't, he was first at the split even considering, um, and then managed to just, yeah, put it all together and and do what he needed to win just by the narrowest of margin. But, um, first place is first place. And yeah, Lars has been on form all year. He had some bad luck at the first two races. I guess Leo gang, he he got a flat, um, Leger rain kind of ruined it for him. But since then he has gone first, first at both of the, both of the world cups. So, um, he looked like he was on to win worlds. He, he finished first in the qualifying and then in the final just was off by the narrowest of margins. um, but he looks good on the bike. Like he makes no extra movements when you see him ride. Like he comes into a section, he turns just the right amount. He pushes his weight into his tires exactly where he wants to, and he's in and out of the section with no messing around, no pushing the front end, no having to balance. He's just like riding just perfectly. Like he looks so good on the bike, and he's also a pretty small and light guy, and um, and I think that's helpful. Like he's gelling well with the bike, and. He's able to be really light on his feet and like the bike doesn't have to go through, like I was saying with, uh, Laurie, these hard compressions, like he's able to just ride so smoothly and, um, and he's good at carrying speed and yeah, he's, he's, uh, riding great right now. So it's awesome to see that. And Laura's definitely deserves it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Another incredible victory and top four riders all on the same second, nearly on the same half second, if you're up in that mix. And you've got two races left in the season. How do you process that? How do you think about, because I mean, it's all well and good trying to go and get quicker, but it, it's trying to find point. Oh, something of a second. How do, how do those riders now take that and go and work on whatever they are going to work up, work on between now and snowshoe, or do you just carry on business as usual? Yeah. I mean,
1: it's such a short gap. I don't think there's really time to necessarily work on things. I think the guys just need to, uh, I mean, a lot of them are going to fly early so that, you know, like I was saying they the Europeans always complain about the jet lag for the one trip a year they have to do, but they're going to, they're going to get to snowshoe pretty early. So it'll be more about just getting feeling good, getting feeling loose and recovered. And, um, and Yeah. Just getting there in a good mindset. I think that's like with all these guys is 0.6 is like, obviously they could have thought a place that they could have gone 0.6 faster. Nobody has a perfect finals run. You can't push that fast and not have left some little bit of time out there someplace. So I think it's more about them just like being in the mindset to, to go all out and to go for it and being present enough to not have those mistakes and if they do get through it and minimize it and, um, yeah, they got to just, when they walk the track, they can't really look at things as like, I mean, maybe Tebow can like to look at something that's going to be safer, more consistent, but these guys that are just racing to win, I, I think they need to look at it as like, whatever the fastest thing to do is, even if it's more risk, they need to feel good about taking that and, that needs to be their mindset. And then um, th- while doing it, just they can't, they have to be so clean and perfect and minimize mistakes.
0: Nice. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting end to the season. So that, we'll take a quick look at the overalls. Miriam Nicole's pulled out a bit more of a healthy lead now ahead of Camille Balanch and, and Tani and Valley are kind of fairly hot on the heels of Cammy. So there's there's still, I think, all to play for to some extent. There, A small mistake from Miriam and a loss of points. Could definitely open the door to one of these other riders do you, do you think we'll see much to in and fro in there or is it i mean it feels hard to bet against miriam at the moment
1: yeah but like you said the the lead isn't as quite as big as it is in the men's so um with two races to go still like we only have had four world cups so we still have um a good chunk of the season left to go even though it feels like it's only one race so Yeah, there could be something there. I think um, Cammie's probably a little bit fired up after this weekend, not having quite the run she wanted to. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if she has anything to say about it and if uh, she can compete with Miriam and and put some pressure on it, Snowshoe.
0: Yeah, and then in the men's, Thibaut's lead is getting harder and harder to beat. I think he'd have to have a fairly off day, but the man in second now is Loris Vergier seems to be the man with a lot of momentum behind him. So something could still happen, but yeah, it looks like it's going to, it's going to require a really bad day at the office for Tebow, I think.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think, um, I don't, I don't know what the, uh, position that Tebow kind of needs. He kind of needs to look at it as like, okay, if Laris wins all these races, how, how close do I need to get if it's top 10 or whatever it is? um then he can kind of shoot in that range and maybe like snowshoe's you pretty rocky can't really afford to get a flat tire or have an issue there so maybe running something that's a little bit safer of a setup or uh just like when he comes to line choices on track maybe taking not not changing your your mindset or the way you race like fully committing but commit to something that's going to run a little bit more consistently on the track I don't know. It's tough because sometimes when in, when you try to do something different and you're you're thinking about doing something other than just riding as fast as you can, it can be actually more difficult to ride the way you want to. So what he's been doing is working. Maybe he should just come into these last two races and treat it just like he did the rest of them. That's That's a tough spot to be in.
0: Yeah, well we've seen Loic nearly lose the overall at Snowshoe in the past, right? He he rode probably a little bit too safe, a little bit too cautious, and it was only Danny coming and taking the win that that saved Loic and gave him the overall that season.
1: Yeah, for sure. That was one of the most exciting races to watch. That was so cool. Um if anybody didn't hasn't seen the 2019 finals, you should go back and watch the replay from Snowshoe. That was that was pretty special. But it was a lot tighter, like I think the lead that Tebow has is like five times what the lead was back then. So he's definitely got more of a cushion, but there is two rounds and um, nonetheless, it will be exciting to watch.
0: And then final round, no qualifying points, all the points on the final, right? So hopefully we get something exciting to the line, but we'll see. We'll see. And snowshoe is a track that you personally had a bit of uh, of a hand in putting together and, and I know you did some consultation over there. Any insight for this year? Are there any any changes to expect? Yeah,
1: I, I held them in 2019 just to, to kind of give my perspective as someone who's raced a bunch of World Cups and lives locally and what the riders are looking for. Um, I just wanted, it was a race in our home region. I wanted it to be as cool as it could possibly be and represent us well. So I was happy to be invited there to help with that. Um, this year, I think they spent most of their budget on the cross country. I think the cross country course was lacking a little bit from the last world cup they had. So they put most of their effort into that. Um, the downhill course will be a little different. They had built a a few jumps and stuff in the open section and a lot of ski resorts can't keep those jumps through the winter because they're on the ski trails. So they had to, they had to plow some of that stuff down. Um, but they did build some new features. They had a, they, they did a Red Bull video with Carson Storch and a pro snowboarder where they had like, I don't know. I think you can find it on Red Bull TV, but they had like a a line where the the mountain bikers and the snowboarders were like doing similar jumps and they got some budget and had some features built for that, that I think they're going to try to incorporate some of them into the world cup track. Um, I went up there and rode one day in the bike park this summer and, and saw some of that stuff. And I just gave the trail guys my advice. Some of it seemed like it wouldn't work well for racing the way it was built. And, um, yeah, I just try to tell them like, don't put, jumps that are too small or steep or like we'd rather have a fast grass turn or something natural and technical over a kind of basic man-made feature so um hopefully that gets put in and that gets considered in the track as well um but yeah it should be similar like that track a lot of the top of it's pretty fast and straightforward and then the main chunk of it is the the bottom half in the rock garden where there's not much they can do to change it. That section is of woods is like so rocky and chunky that there's not really many line options to modify the trail. It's kind of like the only way through that section, but that's pretty much where the race is decided. So I'm sure that'll be the same. And, um, that's always a cool, cool section just cause it's natural. It's the way that the rocks lie and it's kind of the way you have to ride it. So I, I like, I think a lot of the riders like that stuff. It'll be interesting to see if they can change the track at all, being that there's two races there, uh, like Maribor and Lausa were able to make some small modifications, which was super cool. We were riding it so many days in a row. It's nice to have something different, but at snowshoe, just knowing the mountain, I don't know how much they can really change because there's not many choices for other trails or, um, anywhere where there was that I was like, maybe you could use this instead of that. There was like a, a TV station, or like a platform was set up and they weren't going to be able to move it. So it may be pretty similar between the two. And another thing that'll be interesting is last year we had a five-day schedule. So we had practice, qualify, race, qualify, race. And this year we have a six-day schedule. So it'll be practice, qualify, race, practice, qualify, race. And if the course is super similar... I don't know how many people are going to ride that second practice. So she also pretty, it's a fairly long course and it's somewhat physical. It's flatter. You have to generate speed a little more. There's a sprint at the bottom. So after, um, after you're up to speed and race it on the first race, I don't know if it's going to help you to practice again the day after the race to just have another qualifying and final the day after. So maybe interesting to see how people manage that and if a lot of people end up riding that second practice.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I guess to some extent it would depend what the weather throws into the mix as well if conditions change throughout the week. Yeah,
1: for sure. Um I think luckily the, f- the later in the season is the better time for snowshoe. Um growing up in the area and going there to race a lot as a kid it's it's often pretty wet and rainy up there. Um the conditions were pretty perfect in 2019 when we had the World Cup, but it seems like September is more likely to be dry than earlier in the season so hopefully it's a good consistent weekend up there
0: good stuff i'm looking forward to it well without elliot here you get the uh the decision on the lit kit for lenser Hider. who's getting your vote you had some Oof. nice white kit
1: yeah i like the white kit i was i started out with a black kit went to a white kit i i i sold fox that i i liked the uh black and white because it seems more timeless i guess some of the bright i don't know i'm just not as into the bright colors um man if i would have known i was going to come to me i would have i would have uh paid more attention to what gear the other guys were wearing um <laughs> yeah i think Tani's kit was pretty cool because it had like a topo line map kind of deal on it and it was um yeah, i think it looked really really nice with her bike and everything sometimes she's like everything's pink and it's I don't know. I'm sure she loves it, but it's a little bit, it's a little bit much, but uh, I thought the one that she had this week was cool with those topo lines. So man, it seems like Tanya always wins the the lit kit.
0: Yeah, she is doing very well. I'll have to go back and tot up who's taking the most wins, but I'm pretty sure she's got it at the minute. We'll see how she gets on in snowshoe. All right, man. Well, thank you very much. Cheers for, uh, for holding it down while Elliot takes a little bit of a holiday and, um, yeah, all the best for some days of recovery, a nice drive up to snowshoe and, uh, hope it goes well. Look forward to, to seeing the racing live and yeah, we'll speak to you after that.
1: Cool. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you guys. See you later.
0: All right. That's it for this episode with Nico. I really hope you've enjoyed listening. Thanks to Muckoff off for supporting this episode of the show. They've just launched their first plastic-free bike cleaner, Punk Powder, and as a downtime listener, you can get 20% off that and the rest of their range by using the code downtime20 over on muckoff.com during September. Head there now and check out what they have to offer. If you want to own one of the limited edition first issues of Downtime EP at special early bird pricing and ahead of the rest of the world, then head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP and leave us your name and email address now. We're going to print today and we'll be sending early bird deals to everyone who's registered really soon, so it's time to get involved. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on DowntimePodcast.com. If you want to represent the show, then you can get your hands on our range of merch by heading over to DowntimePodcast.com forward slash shop with all proceeds going to help improve the podcast. If you're still listening and you've got a bit of time, then there's a few things you can do to help out. First off, tell your mates about the podcast because the more people who listen, the easier it is for me to keep this thing going. Share the episodes on your social media. It's an awesome way to spread the word and get some buzz going around the episodes too. And if you fancy it and you've got a couple of extra minutes, then a review over on Apple Podcasts goes a long way too. All right, we've got another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until then, get out and rise.